This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Cultured, but not really. Unqualified lessons in history and pop culture. I am your host, Stephen Schweigar. And I'm your other host, Brian Edwards. Are you feeling musical today, babe? I'm feeling musical every day. <laughs> That's true. You are. You are. I guess this is probably on par for your brand doing um, an episode that I have prepared for us today. Yeah. What kind of musical episode do you have planned for today? Well, there's one particular person that's still alive, which I know you don't always talk about. Oh, wow. (laughs) Who I believe is someone in the music community that deserves to be featured Mm -hmm. as one of our topics of our show. Ooh, to tell. Do you know who Imogen Heap is? I know who Imogen Heap is. But do you really know? But do you really know who Imogen Heap is? I, I think I, I know enough about Imogen Heap to know that she's huge in the industry, despite what people really think. Because she, she's big, but she's not appreciated. Yeah, she's she's someone that I look up to, and I'm not even really a musician. Mm-hmm. You know, four years of guitar lessons doesn't make me a musician. Yeah. Well, I don't really know much else about <clears throat> her, so I'm interested to learn. Well, she's English. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's something to start with. Yes, she was born in Essex on December 9th, 1977. Her mother named her Imogen after the British composer Imogen Holst, who I'm sure... Yeah, her father was Gustav Holst, who wrote The Planet Suite. Which, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the, with the piece to know, but I think I've, I think I've heard the name, but I don't... Recall yeah, the music or the everybody game. knows like the the Mars thing, and then um, and the most famous section from that is uh, the section, the middle section of Jupiter. Sounds beautiful, babe. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sounds beautiful, babe. Not when I sing it, but. I was saying because of the way you're saying it. But she was raised playing classical music of composers such as Bach and Beethoven. Mm -hmm. But she's gone on to say in many interviews that she didn't like playing that stuff. She was playing it to convince her parents that she was actually practicing. But all along, she she really wasn't enjoying herself. Mm. Yeah. yeah, nobody likes it when their parents tell them to do things. Well, it's and it's when you're playing. Like I know when I played, I played piano growing up, and it's it's not as exciting to play, you know, for Elise when it's just you play that intro and it's just the two notes over and over again. It gets <laughs> to be kind of boring, but you have to convince your parents. Yes, I I do want to play, take the the lessons. I, I do want my lessons. Do Don't want... take it away from me, even though yeah, I want you to at the same time. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows that that duality of yeah. wanting to to keep something going because your parents tell you not to give up on things, but also deep down really wanting to give up on things. <laughs> I did that with baseball. Hi, that, mom. Hi, I, dad. I did that with a lot of stuff: soccer, baseball, everything else, <laughs> except for life. music. <laughs> everything in life, except for the one thing that you're still doing. Music. Music. For me, it was art, so... Mm-hmm. Right there with you. Yeah. Um, anyway, Heap claimed that she didn't get along with many people in school, and a lot of times she was viewed as being kind of ostracized. And it's kind of... If you kind of know her personality, she is kind of that awkward, quirky, kind of shy. Yeah. But, like, the kind of person who's so much more creative... When they're doing their art, then needing to be charismatic to show people yeah. their art. Um, but she's gone on to say, and this is a quote, In boarding school, I was mocked about the clothes I wore, the way I looked, whatever. 
people there really did regard me as some kind of freak from the middle of nowhere. And these things do matter a lot when you're 16, 17. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that a lot of us can relate to. Yeah. Um, and again, she's, she's gone on and, and talks about some of it in her music. Like, if you listen to some of the, especially her earlier stuff, some of other pieces that reflect her childhood, she's often looking back on it on not such fond terms. Yeah. Which... Which is one creates great music, but also it's kind of unfortunate that you need to go through that to make good, yeah, good content. Sometimes you just have to go through earth-shattering events in your life to to create great music. I mean, got told that you got to commit suicide, so now I got to write a symphony. I mean, I mean, I haven't been there myself, but I <laughs> can relate. Yes. Um, um, in terms of education, she's. She didn't have too much of an interesting educational upbringing. Um, she went to a school in Saffron Walden called the Friends School, which is a Quaker-run boarding school, which is where she dealt with a lot of those those bullies that she talks about in her music and, and interviews. Um, but that is the place where she began to learn the instruments that she would learn to put, pull herself into this standing of one of music's great modern I'll say, I'll say it, modern composers. Yeah, I mean... She, she is. She's a composer. Um, yeah, I mean... But she's, she's like, she's kind of the all-well-rounded in like all well -rounded music composer where she does the pop music, she does electronic music, but then she also will compose an orchestra symphony-type piece. Yeah. She does that kind of all-around. I mean, she has the background, so... Exactly. Um, but the, her most notable... Education comes from. Uh, have you heard of the Brit School? No, I actually haven't. It's actually in the UK regarded as like one. It's basically the high school Juilliard of the UK. If that oh, makes sense. Okay. So it's uh, high school Juilliard. Yeah, like it's oh, okay. it's it's a people there are attending it from like yeah. thirteen to nineteen. Yeah. It's roughly the age age span. Um, it's a performing arts and technology school. It's located in the London borough of Croydon, um, and they're very, like, very selective, like, mm. like Juilliard. It's, like, very – it's on that level of, like, particular – only the best of the best. Yeah. And just to give a bit of a background of some famous alumni from the Brit School, okay. you have Tom Holland, the actor. Okay. Played Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, Leona Lewis. Okay. You know her music. She's mm -hmm. a great singer. Adele. Oh, wow. Big name right there. Jesse J, mm. another another big singer. Yeah. And Amy Winehouse, mm. another one of the, the Brit school graduates. Wow. So those That's are just a there. few of many, many, many famous people to come out of that school. Yeah. And Imogen Heap being another one of them. Mm -hmm. She was actually discovered while she was attending this school. Okay. And she's actually left to pursue music mm. as a full-time thing. Yeah. She was signed. She was signed to uh, Almo Records at age eighteen. Wow! Like I said, and that's kind of where she got her start. Um, and of course, in terms of education, since then, back in, in twenty nineteen, she received like many great musicians who don't complete school. She got an honorary doctorate mm. uh, given to her from the Berklee College of Music in July of twenty nineteen. There we go. So you know. If, if at that point she cared about the degree, she finally got it. <laughs> it only took her a few decades. Um, yeah. But I have a lot more I want to talk to you about. But I think we need to take a little bit of a break. Yeah. I'm a little parched. I need to get some water. Let's all get some water. Let's do it. Hey there, it's me, your host Steven. Aside from being a host of this podcast, I am the founder of Alexandrian Media, a growing production company based in Philadelphia that aims to make art and culture accessible to those in our modern era. 
I'm here today to tell you about an incredible opportunity. Alexandrian Media is a proud partner of Run the Town, a virtual race hosted by Roy Belzer Fitness. If you're someone who is normally quite active, but haven't been able to get out there and run races or done any fitness related activities or sports, then this is a perfect opportunity for you. Run the Town is a virtual race that could be done anywhere in the world. This fundraiser will aid in bolstering the Roy Belzer Fitness Scholarship Program, benefiting all those that are looking to pursue their fitness journey, to feel better, and to live a healthier lifestyle, but are financially incapable of getting started. If you're a listener to any of my podcasts, you'll know that I've been a student of Roy's for just about a year now, and I've been a huge supporter of his class. Roy Buster Fitness has been the best support system I've needed to work on my health. And that's why I'm here to tell you that listeners of this podcast can sign up to run the town for 10% off your choice of three races, a 5k walk slash run, a 10k walk slash run, or a half marathon race. And yes, I did say walk slash run because you do not have to run this race. Join me and let together help Roy Belzer Fitness hit their goal of 1,000 racers across the U.S. and give people looking to jumpstart their health and fitness journeys the chance to get personal training. Click on the link in the show notes to sign up right now. I hope to see you there. We're back. When we last left off, we had just stopped talking about... No, I'm not going to do that. That's so stupid. I hate when they do that. Um, so Imogen Heap is widely known as for her for her musical stylings being very ethereal, very like odd and almost like against what everyone else is, talk, is, is trying to do in music at that time. Mm. Um, I feel like a lot of artists say that I'm doing something different, but like she she <laughs> does it without saying it. Yeah. Like a lot of artists like to say like oh, I'm gonna do this. I have a whole new album plan. It's gonna be totally revolutionary. It's like no, yeah. You sound like everyone else out there. Yeah, just like yeah. But yeah. I do know about Image and Heat, but that she is quite revolutionary because she does it without saying it. She just does it. She's not trying to be revolutionary. She just she's the kind of artist. Who will say, like, I just had this thought, and the thought snowballed into this bigger thing. Um, I want to talk about her work, and and, and starting with, with her most famous piece of music that everyone knows. Even if they have never heard the whole thing through, or if they only know it from that one section that everyone knows. What you say? Yes, that that's, that's it. <laughs> it's a song called Hide and Seek. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of became mo- most associated with... For, from two different sources, mm-hmm. there was the Fox uh, teen drama called The OC, which is where it was first kind of came up into the, particularly the U.S. Uh, zeitgeist, I would say. Um, was it written for the show? Or it wasn't it... written for the show, but oh, it was okay. featured in an episode where like one of the characters like entered a room and then was shot and killed. And it was like this big... Mm. And that's that's where I, I bring it up in, in you know I don't know the show enough to say spoilers because I don't know who is who and what is what and I don't even know what season or episode yeah I don't because I don't it. I've yeah. never watched the show myself I'm not really into those teen dramas because they're just all the same um, yeah but the reason why I bring up that scene is where most people know it from is a little tiny show called Saturday Night Live. So tiny. I know. It's such a tiny show. No one's ever seen it. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it was featured in a sketch called Dear Sister, which I, oh my from God. the few people I know, and I know Shia LaBeouf, because he was hosting that night, was in it. <laughs> Andy Samberg was in it. It's such a good sketch. Uh, it's such a good sketch. It's, it's basically just taking that scene from the OC and just making it so stupid, where every time <laughs> someone enters a room, they read this note and get shot, and everything goes slow motion, and all you hear is... Mm, what you say to the point where literally it's like every there's like a multiple shot scene where they're shot over and over again and the song just keeps repeating on loop and it's such a beautiful scene such a great one of those few like timeless classic scenes from snl you know they don't happen often but when they happen they're it's one of those scenes where it's just like we where it's the thing that they do keeps happening over and over again and you can't help 
but want it to keep going. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, like there are times where you're like, oh, I just want this thing to be over. You you beat this joke with a dead horse over and over again. But now, this is a scene where it's like, it has gone to the point where it has past the beating mm-hmm. the dead you get horse. so far into it that it becomes funny again <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah <laughs> um and now the last thing i'll note on this song because it's it's a great song and i encourage people to listen to it um the other place that people would know that song from is from uh an artist named jason gerulo mm. if you, anyone knows him as a as a pop artist an r&b pop artist he, i think he's i would consider him r&b that's how i would think um, but he sampled that section of the song for his song, What You Say, in 2009, which is a lot of where people heard the song come back. And it's funny because I was, I was recently, just to re-listen to the song, I don't love it, even though I love Imogen Heap. It feels very like, like the best part of the song is the What You Say part. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing where I was reading the comments and everyone's like, I was well, I came back to to listen to this a decade later, and I forgot that the only thing I liked was the chorus, and <laughs> which then, is the only thing that anybody ever knows, right? Because no one cares about the lyrics; it's yeah. all just those like regurgitated, yeah, like love song, pop songs that are all the same. Yeah, but, I mean, but that's a testament, I think, to yeah that song being so recognizable because of a sample from Imogen. Yeah. Um. So you know, that's that. If anything, that's something that that she has going for her that is more interesting than you know someone like jason Torello, who's i don't know if he's still considered big i haven't heard him music from him in a while i haven't either to know that people's favorite part of that song is a piece by imogen is kind of one of those things where i like to look down over my shoulder from behind like oh i knew her before she was cool <laughs> one of those very i knew this artist before you basically. did um but, but with that, I mean, the song's great. Go listen to it. Im- uh, Hide and Seek by Imogen Heap. It's much different than you'd think of what it's used in. The, what you say part is much more the more recognizable part. But that's only the last part of the song. Yeah. It's like the la- it's like the, end, the the last bridge of the song is that, that section. Oh, it's not the chorus? No, it's not. Wow. I mean, I actually never have listened to the full song. The I only song is, know. <laughs> is... It's actually... When I first heard it from myself, outside of the much say part, I almost didn't think it was the same song. It was that much of a disconnect. Wow. It's, it starts out with all, like, it's just her voice, and it's these, like, harmonies that she does all herself. Mm-hmm. And it's this very kind of sad, dark song. And it is something that builds in that slowly builds into this what you say but then it, it's it's a very light and gentle song from what you think it is from what you people hear from that song but again go listen to it give it a shot mm-hmm. it's different than what you probably expect it to be um, moving on because we can't talk about one song for 40 minutes <laughs> as much as i could talk about a song for 40 minutes i don't think the listeners would love it um, no. So there's one album of hers as a whole that I wanted to talk about because it's my favorite of hers. Mm. I've been a fan of hers for many years. And so I figured I can talk about one album, kind of break down some of it a little bit just to be, you know, thorough with my, my appreciation for her music. So her third studio album, uh, Ellipses, is probably her most well uh, received albums only because it's it, it's the one that kind of it came out after hide and seek it was that was all for our second studio album speak for yourself which mm-hmm. is a great album but i think this was kind of where it was the album that came out after she became a viral hit with hide yeah. and seek so it kind of helped her a little more with a more rounded release if i should if that makes any sense yeah she got she got the popularity so right now people recognize who she is and so that first album right after that whole hit becomes your next hit right um so the recording of the album took place between march 2007 and june of 2009 there are 13 tracks on the album um the chart uh the album charted in many nations and and you know, it reached number four on the Canadian albums chart. It reached uh, the uh, 39 on the UK albums chart. 
on the U.S. Billboard 200, it reached five, the fifth, fifth which wow. is you know top five, which is notable for a musician like her who's not a, a you know generic pop artist artist that usually gets those top spots. Right. She got she peaked number one in the dance electronic albums in the U.S. Number four in rock albums in the U.S. and number three in the U.S. alternative top, the U.S. top alternative albums. Mm. So it's it was a well charted, well received album, and again, it's my favorite. So I, yeah. it's it's definitely her, her best charted album that she's yeah. ever produced. Um, there's only one single from the album, and it's a song called "First Train Home." And a little fun fact about that, there are two music videos produced for that single, and it's only because Imogen, after they did the first one, wasn't happy with the first one, so she mm. redid it and reshot it herself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the first version uh, showed Imogen running through, a, a trapped in a zoetrope, if you know what a zoetrope mm-hmm. is, those spinning, like, or they're primitive animation devices yeah. that spin around with little slots on the side and they show her running through this trapped zoetrope with all these like imagination of uh, these uh, apparitions of people at a party and the whole song is about her being at a party mm-hmm. and wanting to be anywhere else because she's not having a good time so she wants to get on the first train home out of this situation yeah so it's her trapped in the zoetrope while all these people are having this fun party around her and she just wants to get out um and it just, I guess it just wasn't her vibe, you know. I liked it, but I guess it's, I'm not the one who's needs to be pleased with it. If <laughs> the main artist isn't pleased with it, then it's all that really matters is her yeah. being pleased with it. Um, so when she wasn't happy with it, she took it upon herself to direct her, her second video, which just was a, a solo shot of her in her own house. And it just basically was her standing in the middle of, of a, her home where she shot it while a party was happening around her and she just performed the song which Mm. i think is probably more capturing of the feeling anyway is kind of being in a party but out of the moment yeah so even though it's a little bit more of a simplified to escape it despite it being in your own home right yeah and so even though it was much more simple of an idea it actually i think portrayed the feel of the the song better Mm -hmm. and that's i think a testament sometimes simple is the right way to go yeah because sometimes you can overdo an idea yeah that's very true um but one of the things i like to note about this album and i always like to bring this thing up as why i appreciate her as a a composer so much or as as a songwriter as a uh, producer is she made a point when she made this album she was she wanted to move back home to her childhood home in essex and one of the things that she had the idea of doing is incorporating sounds from her house into her music. Mm. So she's gone on to say that there are songs of, uh, there are sounds of things like this, the water hitting the kitchen sink or a Jack in the box that she had from her childhood or, you know, the banister in her house and the creakiness it made mm. as part of like the instrumentation in her music, which wow. is something more interesting to me as a, a fan of her music to like have that be like, that's such a cool concept. That's so yeah. much more in, innovative than like just finding a cool beat and something that like, I even know artists today that, that do it. Like I know Billie Eilish was a big person to like sample sounds. Like she, in um one of her songs, her more recent song, she like sampled the drill of her dentist yeah in her music. And they like took this, the, beeping of of one of those sidewalk alert things from Mm. their trip in Australia. Like those things that I remember thinking, you know, Imogen did that first and maybe like that's something where she's been an inspiration to so many people without them even knowing it because. Yeah. I mean, I would not to take anything away from Imogen, but I'm going to take something away from her. Uh, I'm going to, I'm, I think one of the biggest things that we can attest to Imogen in in this aspect is that she is one to write it down and record it as a way and then alter it to fit her music. But I know like incorporating outside sounds into music has been a huge thing that has happened in the past. To me, it's not just the 
outside sounds. It's like her thinking, I want my childhood home to be an oh, instrument yeah, exactly. in this album. That's right. what I was going for. Right. It's like she has she has these thoughts of like, this means something to me, so I want it to mean something to the music. Right. That was a big point because she she had it was like her point of moving back home was to use her childhood house as this instrument. Yeah. In a way to give that sort of passion from her, her grow, her upbringing into her music. Right. And I just wanted to talk about a couple of my favorite tracks. Um, so these are just tracks that I would recommend our listeners go listen to because they're pretty good in mm-hmm. my opinion. If not some of my favorite songs just in general, um, there's a track called title, which is just such a beautiful, like mm. it's, it's, it's actually, I was one of the, the tracks I used as, inspiration to send to our composer of our our theme song daryl banner Mm -hmm. this is one of the tracks that i was like if you could get this kind of instrumentation because it's just got (laughs) these sweeping strings that Mm -hmm. open the song and into this beautiful like gentle ethereal like with a really nice steady beat that just really up upbeat and flowy yeah um and something that i think is my favorite thing of a lot of her songs that is really featured in this song is she is able to make a song build and grow so much that by the end, it feels like such a different song than the, the beginning. Yeah. It has this sense of like, it's always kind of going somewhere different. It's always taking a turn that you don't expect. Right. Um, and even songs like this is another song that I think is just fun. It's called Bad Body Double. It's um, it's basically a song and it's kind of one of her more like sillier songs where it's a song about this person that looks just like her and is in every way like is her but is the wrong and the bad things about her so she's almost singing it as if it's another person and she just like is singing from like an, a third person perspective at herself about <laughs> all the things she hates and how like embarrassing she can be and all these like it's it's very goofy and fun but it's also still a really good song yeah and it's just one of those things that it's, it's such it's, the production is so great, and it's another one that builds and, and goes some places that you're almost like listening to the lyrics. You're like, is this really the same song? It doesn't sound mm-hmm. anything like you'd expect it to be in this. Yeah. Um, and then probably one of my favorite just off that album that's probably the most like beautiful is a song called Half Life, which is probably the it's one of those songs that has this really gentle opening with just her vocals. It's very sweet and song. And it's a sad song. It's about the ending of a relationship she had about like how she kind of saw it kind of ending. And she knew that she was going to have this relationship end. And it's just sad, beautiful again with this building musical production that's just continuously building on itself to this beautiful end. Like it's just always this, Vibe, and then I the last song that I wanted to talk about in brief was a song I think you know is a song called Aha. I'm pretty sure I'm 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 usually a whole lot better once I've heard the song. Be well, like, that's that's the song that a lot of people know because it's been covered by Pentatonix. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and that's like this like almost spooky song. And it's very like the if you were just listening to instrumentation, which. Again, one of the things that I love about Image and Heap is her deluxe versions of all of her albums is just all the, the, the tracks without lyrics. Mm. So that she includes instrumentals for all of her music for like, as part of like, you you should just listen to the instruments itself. That classical music influence again. Yes, exactly. She's She thinks about that. She's like, plus she's a big fan of of like remixing and DJing and like giving her music to fans to like, Splice, splice and, and do things for themselves with her music so she's constantly thinking how can i provide versions of this that people can you know play with so yeah because sometimes i mean as an artist you want to be able to feature yourself obviously but if you are more than if you as an artist are more than your voice and you want that to be featured then I think that's a great idea is remove your remove your voice from the work so that people can hear the rest of it. Because right. a lot of pop music nowadays is everybody just focusing on the lyrics and, and the melody. But mm-hmm. nobody really pays attention to that background. And despite how much the background sometimes enhances the vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's Especially a great way. Especially because Imogen is not... 
doesn't necessarily have like the most powerful voice. Right. Her her beauty in her voice comes from how weird she can make it. And like it's not necessarily her trying to be like Ariana Grande who has this range of of singing that's that's very powerful in places and you know which more on Ariana Grande a little bit later. Um but so for her, her her voice is not necessarily the feature in her own mind, which is I think why she will then put out those instruments, is those instrumentals is she knows that the instrumentals are are such a big part of of why her music is so well received. Um but why one of the big reasons why I wanted to talk about this is because it was the the, the album that won her her first Grammy. Um, oh. So this is the she won it for best engineered album non classical, um, and she actually was the first f- uh, female artist to ever win that award. Wow! So she kind of pioneered a lot of that. Mm-hmm. In her, uh, um, and so that's again, look it up. The album is called Ellipses. Um, great album. I don't think there's a single song on that track that I would not recommend to anyone to listen to. <laughs> it's a total jam. It's a total. It's a Total jam. <laughs> that album's a slap. Is that what the kids say? That know. that album's the slap. The slap. I'm gonna just say that. That sounds good to me. <laughs> um, and some of the other things I wanted to talk about, you know, as as a way to kind of you know, kind of lead into my my ending of this episode. Um, some notable things that she's done in the music world. She created. The Mimu gloves, which mm. many musicians who follow music and as as a whole in the community would know, they are some uh, a pair of gloves that musicians can use to play music, basically in the air. She uses she was she created a team of engineers to produce these basically these instruments that she could use to, on her own because she she her whole concept behind these Mimu gloves was she wanted to be able to perform her music on tour without sitting behind a bunch of MIDI keyboards and all these electronic synth machines and all these things that she is so used to having to do because of the kind of music she makes. Right. So she uh, partnered with a team of engineers to create these gloves that allow you to like literally sing a note, grab the note in midair and then like pitch it up and down by the way you move your hand kind of like mm-hmm. level of interaction with the mu- making, making the music feel more interactive. Um, I would even recommend people Googling me Mew gloves, M I M U just to take a look at some people using, it. I mean, she's done her own demonstrations of it. I know uh, mm-hmm. other musicians, I've seen v- videos of them using their, the, and it's the kind of thing where, it's the gloves, but then they also, she created a software called Glover, which is how musicians can program the gloves to fit what they wanted to do. But even um, musicians like Ariana Grande have used that on tour, mm-hmm. which is, I think, really cool that you see bigger named artists appreciating the work that Imogen has put in for the community. Yeah. I mean, I know you have shown me a video of her using it in one of her music videos. Yeah. So she, she created right after she created the, the gloves to the point where they were functional. She wrote a song called me, the machine, which mm-hmm. she wrote with the gloves as a point to like show kind of how they, and that's a great song. It's yeah. a very cool song. Um, and to see her perform it is really cool because she's, you see her playing the music in midair with like she'll play the drums just by pounding her fists against the air it's just very interactive as something like where she did what she wanted to do she was able to get rid of the whole big electronic setup that she was dealing with to be able to play just herself on stage and have all the same you know synths and midi keyboard stuff she has from that big setup in just her gloves. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because as a classical musician growing up, I was always told when you play your instrument, don't move around, don't sway to the music because you're going to screw up your, your playing. And as a, as a trumpet player using my, my air, there is a degree to, to that whole thing. But then there are other people who are always saying move to the music. It helps you express things. And, so that the the Mimu gloves are just 
enhancing that whole thing. It's just like if you if you can move around and express everything the way you want and and making music in the process, it's just going to make everything a whole lot better. Well, yeah, and it, it if you want to express if your expression comes from the way you put your your movement into your music, yeah, then why would you not want to expand on that whole idea? Yeah, just a whole lot more expressive, right? Um, so I would even go check out if even if you're a musician yourself and you're listening to this and you wanted to experiment with something new, she's. You know, they're for sale. They're, you can get a pair for yourself. How much do they cost? I don't know that much. <laughs> I um, would imagine they're a few hundred dollars. I cannot imagine they're, they're that cheap. Like, you're not going to be able to go into, like, Walmart and pick them up. Oh, definitely not. Um, but from what I've seen used, it, they're very, very cool. And I wish I had a musical bone enough to be able to ever get a chance to use them. <laughs> um, but anyway, some other things... Um, She's also the composer for the West End Broadway play, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Mm. So she is responsible for all the music in that show, which is where she won her Drama Desk Award. Um, okay. She got that for her her, her music, uh, which is funny enough because I, I listened to the soundtrack recently. And listening to it, it's re- it's just reworks of a lot of her already produced songs to fit the the different scenes of the play. No, so it's not like she's she wasn't like like reimagining and doing a brand new thing. Like the first track is like a I forget what the scene is, but it's like basically um, them going on the Hogwarts Express, and it's literally just a reworking of First Train Home, mm. which makes sense because it's a train. Yeah, like First Train Home is the first place you go to think for a scene with a train, right? But it's just the kind of thing I'm listening to. I'm like, that's that sounds like that song, and this is like, this is just this song, but like pitched down like it's very much and it's like reworked enough where it's it's not just her playing the instrumentals of each of these tracks like it's it's worked into more of it but it's just something that i'm like i appreciate it as a fan of her music to be, like if i ever get a chance to see her show it kind of reminds me of like mama mia yeah it's it's, it's kind of like that but without it being like like as literal yeah like like they did the um the uh green day american idiot yeah uh, musical and it's like that's just just taking literal like it's 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 reworked enough where it's not quite that yeah it's not it's not going to be like oh this is just an extended album of imogen heap this is this is just reworkings of her music into a, a play and it's something that like flows more like it's more like from from track to track it's more it flows into one to another. So it's a little more continuous. So it's less, it's less like, here's the end of this song and here's the beginning of this next song. Like I previously said, she was, um, part of a pop duo, um, called Fru Fru, which they formed together in 2002. Uh, she formed this pop duo with her friend and fellow musician, Guy Sigsworth, who she met, um, sort of during her early parts of her career. They've only ever released one album called Details, which released June of 2002. There have been three singles from that album. uh, Breathe In, Must Be Dreaming, and It's Good to Be in Love, which all had varying degrees of success. Um, But following a breakup of that, that duo in 2004, they recently, in 2017, kind of recently... Reunited and released their first single in 15 years in wow. April of 2019 called Guitar Song. <laughs> it sounds so much like a SpongeBob song. Um, C-A-M-P-F-I-R-E. It's, but it's a, it's actually a very good song. Like it's not, it sounds like it would be kind of <laughs> jokey, but it's not, it's a very good song. Um, and they're in still apparently in talks of doing more music together. Um, She's also one of the big things to know. She's she has a lot of of impact on a lot of TV and movie soundtracks, like hide and seek being in the OC. Many of other tracks have appeared in that show. She's had success as just doing um, music for other soundtracks. Um, a lot of people who've seen the movie Garden State would know. 
never seen it. I know. You don't see I don't, I don't. I You're not a movie guy. If you ask me if I've ever watched a movie, 95% of the time, I'm going to say no. Um, for those that are cool, that do know <laughs> what Garden State. Garden State is uh, Zach Braff's independent film that he made. Um, but the feature track of that, that soundtrack is a song called Let Go for, with Fru-Fru. So... It's one of those things where if you know that movie, that track is one of those like main the main track that's featured in the movie. Um, she's had a song on the Shrek Two soundtrack mm-hmm. where she did a cover with Fru Fru call of holding out uh, holding out for a hero, which is such a good cover. It's such different than any version you'd ever hear because mm-hmm. everyone always thinks of like that, like the the really dramatic like. Bassy, bassy, but like yeah. the big belty lyrics of the song. Yeah. Where have all the good men gone, and where are all yeah. the gone? Like it's very much pulled back from that. It's not that at all. <laughs> it's very much what you'd expect—an Imogen Heap version of that song. Yeah, because it's very like this. The song starts out with all these scat-like vocalizations, and it's completely different from mm-hmm. from what you'd expect. Um, but she's also had a track that was written for the movie on the Chronicles of Narnia Disney ones, the ones that they did back in the 2000s. Wow. Called Can't Take It In, which is a beautiful song. Mm. I would recommend you listening to that. Anyone who likes good soundtrack music, Can't Take It In. It's a good song. Um, uh, and one of the things that I wanted to bring up too is her second Grammy Award that she received was one because of her collaboration with the artist that some people might know, Taylor Swift. I think I've heard of her. You know, I think she's she's done something. But yeah, she was uh, she collaborated with Taylor Swift, which is something that I love to hear. Is Taylor Swift on tour in London sought Imogen Heap out between shows because she wanted to meet her and she wanted to collaborate with her, which to me is so great. I love hearing big name artists like Taylor Swift going out of their way, like making it happen whether or not like moving heaven and, and earth to make these collaborations happen yeah where taylor swift wanted to meet imogen heap and they set it up and they went to her to imogen's house they they met they talked about the song and for those who who know the song it's off her album 1989 which is the album where she where imogen won the grammy because she's part of the production team for the song clean which I don't like a lot of Taylor Swift songs. I don't either. Um, but I listen to that song and you listen to that song. It is an Imogen Heap song with Taylor <laughs> Swift singing on top of it. Which is great. I love yeah. that. It's something that you expect from that. Yeah. And Imogen provides the backing tro- the backing vocals for too. So you get to hear her. And, and, and it's something that I respect because Imogen has also gone on to say like she had her preconceived notions of Taylor Swift as a musician. And something that she was really respect respected was, and it's something that, if you have any doubt, Taylor Swift is is someone who, in big name music, still writes all of her own music and still does most of the songwriting herself, which yeah. isn't always the case with those bigger artists. Yeah. Um, and so those are just some of the, the things that I wanted to talk on briefly about her, her impact and, you know, the kind of other avenues of music that she's been a part of. She has some legacy type things going on still and, and things that, that she's she's why she's such a big name. Um, she has a song called The Listening Chair, which is such a, an interesting story of the song. It's featured on her 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 last released album, uh, Sparks, which it's a song about her life, which is a reflection of a song of everyone's life. And her concept started where she set up these exhibits all over the UK and she created these booths where people could kind of record their life story and just kind of whatever what they wanted to talk about, they could talk about. And she collected all these these people's testimonials, washed it all back and realized like there's a, a common thread for a lot of people. So she wrote a song where every minute is seven years of her life. And she wrote it kind of as this like homage to growing up and having to, and if you listen to the song, it's very much like it changes every minute or so, like into these different songs that reflect the style of, 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 you know, anxieties and and stresses and 
intrigue from different periods of our lives. And one of the things I like to note is that song is interesting because she plans on adding another minute to it every seven years for the rest of her life, which mm. is something I would hope she keeps up with. I would hope so. <laughs> um, sounds like a big project to undertake. But it's only a minute and you have seven years to write the song. Yeah. It's only a minute. You have seven years to write the song. So it's not like it's totally un- undoable. Yeah. But we're in, but... we're, for those who know the time, time period of when that song was released and when the seven years is, it's this year. Ooh. The song was released in 2014. So. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we get a, a minute along. It would be interesting to see because she, she mentioned that, um, because she, she gave birth after the song to her first daughter. Um, and she says something that she kind of would think about having a story to tell would be about being a parent. And so it'd be interesting if she, she keeps up with this. We'll have to see. In terms of her recognition within the community, there have been many uh, big name musicians that that name Imogen Heap a, an inspiration. Artists like Ariana Grande, B.B. Rexa, Ellie Golding, Casey Musgraves, uh, Empress of, anyone, Pentatonix, they have all mm-hmm. named her as one of their inspirations. Uh, uh, Pentatonix and Kelly Clarkson have both been people that have covered her music, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, her music's been sampled by artists like Ariana Grande for her song Good Night, which is mostly, it's almost like a half cover of, of mm-hmm. her song Good Night and Go. Where okay. she uses the chorus for her song and the melody and the but everything else is for, from Ariana, um, Jason Derulo, like I, we all know, but our, even artists like Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller, Aesop Rocky, Kendrick Lamar, these are all and these are all like rap artists for the most part, yeah, rap or or like somewhere in in that genre who floated in and out of that genre, which you wouldn't expect would pull content from Imogen Heap, yeah, you know. I mean, oh. she has enough an electronic, yeah, but you'd, influence you'd, that. But if I know, I think like when I think a lot of a rap, I don't just think of of the the words and the the vocals. I think a lot of the, the electronic backgrounds as well. Yeah, I just think that with with how many artists there are out there that are yeah. more current and more recent to pull from, Image and Heap is, you know, kind of those outlying like she's an amusing, amazing musician, but. Just knowing that those big name artists are the ones pulling her from hers, again, a reflection on her, mm-hmm. her impact on music landscape. Um, but in in regards to to people uh, praising her work, there are people like uh, Lindsey Kimball from NPR referring to her as the pioneer of electronic pop music. Um, Billboard has called her an electro-pop innovator. Uh, Margaret uh, Margaret Farrell from Stereo Gum referred to her as pop's unsung pioneer. And, uh, also an electronic pop mastermind and a mystical force that has loomed over pop music for nearly two decades. Wow. She's had Matt Moen from Paper Magazine call her the Nikolai Tesla of pop music, <laughs> stating that her influence in pop music has been largely un- gone underappreciated, which I would agree with. Mm-hmm. And various people in general just keep calling her a a tech pioneer and that she's basically pioneered so many areas of electronic and pop music that i think is something we should all appreciate her for this is this was my little attempt at giving her another bit of appreciation from from my own side of appreciation for music yeah and she's definitely one to be admired and um, and everyone should go listen to her music. She's she's great. Yes, uh, from what I have heard, I would definitely agree with that. Go listen to everything you can about Imogen Heap and all of her music, and watch all her videos, and do everything you can. She's got some pretty creative uh, music videos out there, and I and that's kind of that's that's all I have. That's all I've got for for you today. Well, thank you, Brian, for enlightening me on Image and Heap. I'm feeling a little bit more cultured when it comes to pop music and the influence upon that world, thanks to the wonderful Image and Heap. I'm glad I could bring her to your table. 
Well, we have some thank yous we would like to share before we start heading out here. Uh, first, we'd like to thank Daryl Benner for our fantastic theme music. It's incredible, especially because Image and Heap was one of the inspirations for that said theme music. And a, uh, I think he did very well on capturing that aesthetic that is the title track. Thank you to our supporters, of anyone who's listening. Thank you to the fans. Yes. All all of them, all all of the ones out there that, that chose to listen to us for an hour. Absolutely. And if you do love us, you should sign up to our Patreon. For just a dollar a month, you can support this podcast. Uh, no extra bonus content, but you will be supporting us in many ways, like helping us to upgrade our equipment, or upgrading our software to help record this. Uh, and if you want some bonus content, such as ad-free versions of this episode, or a discount in our merch store, then you can sign up at $5 per month. And that you can sign up at patreon.com slash reallycultured. If you want to check out more work that some of us on this podcast do go check out Stephen's show composer chronicles yeah it's been coming up on the year anniversary oh my gosh it's almost a year if not a year by the time this episode goes up who knows who knows who knows, who knows? i um, don't know exactly when this episode is going up but i'm sure when it's coming up it will probably be close to a year when the composer chronicles is a year old and you know for anything else check out alexandriamina.org yeah. For, for all of the contacts of, of us, both of us, you know, where to follow us, all of those things are on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, follow us on Twitter at Really Cultured. And the same thing on Instagram. And follow Alexandria Media on Twitter and, and Instagram too. And Composer Chronicles. Follow everything. Follow everything. Um, you can pretty much find any of the links that we've mentioned today in the show notes. So if you're a little bit confused as to what you should go and follow, just go to the show notes and follow everything. Just, <laughs> just don't follow my mom. That'll be weird. No, that'll be weird. <laughs> and that's it for today's episode of Culture, but not really. I'm Brian Edwards. And I am Stephen Trigar. And now we ask you, listener, are you feeling really cultured today? Bye. Bye-bye now. Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.